afternoon. I'm Charles Lee, and this is the Grok Science Show. Coming up on today's program, we're joined by Mr. Ed Hunes. We'll talk about his new book, Force of Nature. So you want to stay tuned for all that, plus the Grokatron 5000. It's coming right up here on the Grok Science Show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Science Show. Well, the words green and environmentally friendly rarely seem to conjure an association with Walmart. Yet the world's largest retailer has begun to notice its effects on the environment and taken steps to reduce its footprint. How has such a transformation taken place in uh, the world's largest retailer? Joining us today to discuss this issue is Mr. Edward Humes. Mr. Humes is the Pulitzer Prize-winning author of several critically acclaimed books, including Eco Barons and the bestseller Mississippi Mud. His latest release, Force of Nature, the unlikely story of Walmart's green revolution, discusses this topic for a general audience. And uh, Mr. Humes, uh, we're glad to have you back on the program. Thanks very much, Charles. It's really a pleasure to have you on the program. This is really a great book, Force of Nature, where you talk about the unlikely story of Walmart's green revolution. How did you come across the story? Yeah, emphasis on the unlikely. Everywhere I go <laughs> to talk about this, the eyebrows get a real workout getting uh, getting raised because it is an unexpected juxtaposition, uh, green and Walmart. But I got on this story from the last book I worked on uh, called Eco Burns, which was about environmental outliers. I like to think of them, philanthropists and activists. And I met this fellow, a former river guide. He used to take Soviet and American rafters down these crazy wild whitewater trips in Siberia and the U.S. during the Cold War, and he kind of became expert at bringing uh, diverse peoples and viewpoints together in the process, and he, he took those skills into a business consulting practice. And when he decided to make the focus of that business sustainability, his first client was Walmart. So I met him while he was engaged in, and he still is, in trying to help this, this giant consumer company figure out how to be greener. And at first, I was quite skeptical, but the more I learned about it, the more fascinated I was by the process and also why you know how important it is for the rest of us to care about green and nature and this uh, consultant was Jib Ellison. Yes, great name, right? Jib Ellison. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he uh, was the the river guide for Walmart's attempts to become greener. So how did convince Walmart to think about becoming green? Well, that's that's what I consider to be the most significant piece of of this this story, which is you you don't convince them to be green. You convince them to be more efficient. You convince them to be more profitable, and you show them that contrary to the conventional wisdom yeah, within large businesses, that doing things good for the environment is always going to be a pain and a cost and a burden. Those are the very things that do help the business, using less energy, therefore emitting less carbon, uh, being less wasteful. Waste is the enemy of a profitable business. And there's, it turns out that the concerns of environmentalists and the needs of a big business like Walmart are far more aligned than they ever dreamt. And once they started, it caught fire because everything was, was made sense from a business 
point of view when it comes to sustainability. So it's just really uh, good for the bottom line is to be green. Absolutely. Well, one of the first things they did, this was all initially about back in 2004 when they started this, kind of improving Walmart's image. And nobody expected it to become a core part of the business, except for Jib, the river guide, who saw this opportunity to turn Walmart into a laboratory for proving the business case for sustainability. And the first thing they did was look at the packaging on a toy truck, one product, a minor product. But by shaving a few inches off something they sell by the millions, they ended up saving 4,000 trees from being cut down. Almost 500 fewer giant cargo containers had to be shipped from China. A million gallons of fossil fuels not burned, shipping this stuff around because you could fit more onto the trucks and the, and the ships. And finally, the company saved $2.5 million just from an almost imperceptible change in a product's package. Hmm. Well, if, they'd have to sell $60 million worth of those toys to make that same $2.5 million. So if you don't think that got uh, Walmart's attention, it, well, it certainly did. And, and the great thing is that the only way you see that opportunity is if you start thinking sustainably. And that's once they saw that opportunity available to them, the first thing they said, why didn't we see this before? And the second thing they ask is, where can we find more of these opportunities? And it, and it's been going now for seven years. And they've overhauled all, all kinds of things, things like Packaging that. Packaging trucks, they've cut their waste to the landfill. In California, has been their pilot program, 81% less waste going to landfills. They've turned a red line in their ledger sheet, paying people to haul this stuff away, into income. They make $100 million off of turning hangers into dog beds and organic waste into compost. All the things that we, people who care about the environment have wanted big businesses to do, they're actually trying to do. Uh, it's, and, and, but they're not doing it necessarily. I mean, they are touting the fact that they're being better corporate citizens, but the real motivation is they're making money doing it. And it's such a counter-argument to all the paralysis and, and, and sort of poisonous rhetoric about how lowering your carbon footprint or, or do, being a more environmentally conscious business will hurt jobs or hurt the recovery. Walmart says that's crazy talk. It's just the opposite, hmm. it, it, which just blows my mind. <laughs> and other businesses have taken notice, right? Not just notice. I mean, they do business with 100,000 other companies as suppliers, and it's their supply chain where 90% of their environmental footprint comes from. So if they want to be serious about being sustainable, they have to recruit, cajole, or compel their their partners, their suppliers, into uh, going along for the ride. So that's included big businesses like Unilever, Procter Gamble, big makers of laundry detergent. You may have noticed in recent years, smaller bottles of detergent are really the main stay of laundry detergent. Now, that was Walmart's demand. We don't want the big bottles anymore. The only thing you get in those is more wasted water and more wasted plastic and more wasted truck trips. Uh, and they're the reason why the, the industry standard now is to concentrate the smaller bottle. And that's have very significant reductions in that product category's environmental footprint. And again, for economic reasons, as well as the, the environmental benefits. So it's a win-win. And that's happened with suppliers in China. They're actually Walmart and Environmental Defense Fund has gone factory to factory and showed them how to cut energy and emissions 20 to 30 percent 
They've done it in over 100 factories so far, big big honking factories that supply this stuff. So that's epic. And it all again, they wouldn't do it if it didn't make economic sense. So what's happening is even their competitors now are beginning to compete on sustainability because they have to. Because if you use less energy and you waste less stuff and you're cleaner and more efficient and you're, you can sell things cheaper, your suppliers can sell things cheaper, they'll go to an underwear factory in, in Georgia and say, hey, you guys haven't vacuumed your your refrigerator coils and filters and uh, and things like that in, in 20 years. Get the dust out. Plant some trees next to your building. Put some energy-efficient lighting. In. And so this company in Georgia does these things, and it paid for itself. Their, state, their utility bills went down 50%, 60%. It's a no-brainer proposition when you attack sustainability from that kind of business-like approach. Now, I have to say, Walmart is never going to be truly green or sustainable. I mean, they do, as you say, they always want lower prices. They want you to buy more stuff. That's kind of the definition of unsustainable. But that said, they can be greener. And if you want to stop the Titanic, you want to turn the Titanic, first you've got to slow it down. So I think we're engaged now in watching the, the slowing of, of the Titanic, which is progress. But isn't sort of the, the easy part is over? I mean, would you say that Walmart being good and wasteful to begin with, it was easy to cut these wasteful parts, and now the tough part is going to be really becoming a more sustainable company? It does get harder because there was a deliberate strategy uh, that was the genius of it, really, to do the easiest stuff first and get the successes and build a, a corporate enthusiasm for, for being greener. And once that was accomplished, now they are tackling some pretty big challenges. One of them is the biggest science project in, in the private sector, maybe, to try and reveal the the origin of everything we buy, the origin story, what the footprint is of a DVD or a gallon of milk or a, uh, a T-shirt. And not just the product, but its constituent parks. Parts, we do, those are black holes to us now. And making that transparent is going to be revolutionary. It's not something Walmart is trying to do alone, but is partnering with many other companies, with academic institutions, with environmental groups and other nonprofits to try and bring transparency to what we consume. And that's never... There's never been a demand for that. There's never been a real attempt to to do it in a systematic, scientific way. So uh, it will take years, but it has amazing potential. Hmm. Is this the index? This is this this is what has been called the index, and part of it is a life cycle analysis of all the kinds of products that we buy, and that's to be used within the businesses at first, so that they can make sourcing decisions on the greener and more efficient products that's actually, instead of just going out and trying to buy the cheapest item to put on the shelves, they're also looking at these factors now. And that data is just starting to be crunched. Ultimately, the idea is to put a a tag and a score on products and rate them for how sustainable they are on environment, water, carbon, energy, social issues, the whole the whole gamut. And you could get it if you're a consumer, you can just look at a, a raw score and you know, a simple kind of measurement, or you could use a smartphone or some other device to scan the tag and really dig down into the issues you care about when you make a purchase. The belief at Walmart at least is that that's not gonna be that big a deal for the current generation of consumers, but the next generation, today's teenagers uh, are looking like they may make green a much bigger determining factor for their 
purchasing choices. That's what Walmart's betting on anyway. Hmm. Well, one would hope that the index would determine the prices such that that drives it less favorably. Index ones would be more expensive. Well, it's you know it's still possible in the short term to be dirty and kind of get away with it and 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 have those those costs picked up uh, you know elsewhere by the public by the taxpayers. I mean that's one of the reasons why fossil fuels are so cheap is because we don't <laughs> we don't penalize the harm they cause with the manufacturers and the suppliers for the harm they cause but those those days are, can only last so those days are, are truly unsustainable and and these kinds of efforts to to make products transparent will uh, drive probably some demand that people who make things be responsible for their negative consequences so We'll see. Hmm. Walmart apparently has a connection to uh, the dairy industry's Cow of the Future project. Uh, what is this? Well, one of the things they did fairly early on in their Walmart's efforts to assess its own footprint, they realized that that was going to be really difficult unless they could get some data from the people who supply them stuff. So they did a, a pilot, and literally the head of Walmart's energy program was sitting in his kitchen said, I'm just going to look around for common household items, and soda, juice, milk, DVDs, and we're going to call our suppliers and say, hey, we need to know what your carbon footprint is. If we can't measure it, we can't manage it, we can't reduce it, tell us you know, tell us what you can. And, and, and basically that turned into a system-wide requirement that suppliers to Walmart figure out their carbon footprints. But at first, one of the first who got the call was the, the dairy industry. And they got really excited by this and, and wanted to turn it into a, a means of, of making their product more competitive with soda, with juice. They would be the healthy green alternative and perhaps help dairy farmers out by pursuing energy projects that uh, can harvest the methane from cow manure and turn it into electricity. And try and come up with cows that emit less carbon. That's the by breeding or feeding them in such a way, the idea is to make the, the, the digestive process more efficient in cows so they emit less methane. They're a significant cause of source of greenhouse gas emissions. So uh, the, the hope is that they if pursue that, that someday there would be a price on carbon that they could cash in on that. But in the meantime, there's some, some incentives for doing it right now, including harvesting the energy from the methane that they are emitting. Do you think this sort of focus now on becoming more environmentally friendly, more sustainable, will uh, influence other aspects of Walmart's culture, uh, in particular its notorious bad relations with labor and uh, low, rage, low wages? I mean, this is the sort of the question I, I, I hear a lot. Well, should you know, is Walmart good now? Is Walmart green now? Should we forgive uh, all this other stuff that they've been criticized for? And and, and you know, I, my my focus really was on the sustainability. I think they've been the company has been justifiably criticized on a number of other fronts. You know, everyone has to has to figure out how they feel about their labor and social and gender practices themselves. And and I don't think. Uh, uh, I think it's safe to say that on the sustainability piece of their business, they, they, they are getting it right. They're, they're, what they're doing is significant. It's not greenwashing. Uh, and they say sustainability has begun to penetrate the other business practices. They're, they have been working with Michelle Obama's organization, nonprofit to try and make processed food healthier. Uh, and, that, and they consider that part of being more sustainable. They're, they've been sourcing 
produce locally and cutting deals with farmers in the area of their big distribution centers. And, and, and in some senses, that's very much a, a competitive thing to try and go toe-to-toe with Whole Foods with, with fresh produce. But it's also helping out local local farm farmers and giving them a new market to bring their, their produce to. So in that sense, they, they argue they're being sustainable in another way. So they feel that they are, have, are building this sustainability interpreted broadly into their into their business. But you know they're they're also still fighting it out in the Supreme Court over these gender issues and other things. So they you know they they have other areas that they clearly have have not been the favorite of progressives uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. They've taken some 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 pretty big steps and and you know you have people like Yvonne Chenard, the the founder and 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 head of the Patagonia company, very green leader in apparel and and athletic equipment and so forth, or the the founder and former CEO of Seventh Generation um, Green Products Company. These these guys swore up and down they'd never ever work with Walmart. That Walmart was the devil, and and now they are working with them, and they. Uh, are partnering with them on efforts to, to to make products more transparent and, and greener, and advising Walmart on how to how to move forward. Uh, it's a complete turnaround, and they're doing this because they they believe it's a it's a it's a real and meaningful initiative. And Jeff Hollander calls it a, a tipping point for corporate responsibility. That's that could push big global businesses uh, in mass toward sustainability. And if that's true, this is one of the more hopeful developments uh, and trends we have going right now for if you care about the environment and the future. A company this big really has the potential to have a major impact, but do you think uh, in its current form Walmart can do this, or is it really going to have to change d- dramatically? Well, it's they are an incremental <laughs> company. They, they uh, like to do things gradually, but, uh, you know, they have, again, they, they've made some when they announced in 2005 that it was their ambition someday, didn't know when, the big goal, to be zero waste, everybody just kind of laughed because it was so far from where they are, were as a company, and it's you know, dismissed as, as greenwash or happy talk. And now that, you know, five years later, six years later, the, the waste going to in California is a fifth of what it was. That's a serious milestone on the way to a zero-waste goal, and they're taking that outside of California and going worldwide with that. And they think that if you set these big aspirational goals, it sort of drives you to keep keep reaching. So uh, at least on the waste front, it seems to have worked for them. Hmm. If you think that, in fact, they can ever reach that goal or if, if there's a limit to what they can achieve because of just how their business is structured. Yeah, I, I think nothing that really looks like the Walmart of today is going to be 100% sustainable. I, I mean, but they are a mirror of the U.S. economy in that <laughs> sense. I mean, that's what did, what, what did uh, the President Bush say after uh, after 9/11? Go out and shop because shopping is what we <laughs> what makes us strong these days, and and that itself is unsustainable. I mean, accumulating ever more stuff is really kind of what's gotten us into this fix. So, you know, how do we transition to a more sustainable world. You know, Bill McDonough, the Cradle to Cradle uh, co-author and uh, environmental green architect, he, you know, he's got this great analogy. He says, look, you know, we, we're in a car, we're speeding along at 60 miles an hour, and we say we need to get to Mexico as fast as we can, but we're headed towards Canada. <laughs> if you slow the car down, 
you're being less bad, and that's and and that's a positive. But you know, ultimately, if you want to be moving in the right direction, in the sustainable direction, you have to turn the car around. So you know, a lot of us haven't even slowed the car down yet. Walmart is slowing their car down, and if more businesses emulated what they're doing, it would certainly buy the country and the world a considerable amount of time in order to figure out what comes next. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So uh, there's there's value in being greener, even if you're never going to get all the way to green. What do you think Sam Walton would say about these efforts going on? <laughs> well, my, I initially thought, God, he must be flipping a mile a minute in his in his grave <laughs> because this is such a an un-Walmartish thing uh, to do. And but. Uh, in retrospect, as I came to understand it, uh, Jib Ellison, the river guide, and the CEO who, who launched this, who, who since has left uh, that position, H. Lee Scott, were really uh, clever about how they took Sam Walton's message about being efficient and cutting costs and using that to say sustainability is just a new iteration of that imperative that we are this this is Walmart's wheelhouse. We should have been doing it sooner, but now that we know it's there, that opportunity, um, we're going for it. And and so he used that the the, the Walmart culture. Both of the both Lee Scott and Jim Ellison used used this notorious Walmart culture to say no green is where we should be as a company. It doesn't mean we've changed. It means we're being true to ourselves. And that was brilliant. You know, it was brilliant spin, uh, you know, and, and what what Sam Walton actually would have thought about it, nobody can say, but uh, it, it sure worked within the company. Well, it, it really is a fascinating story, one I think that a lot of people will be surprised by. Your new book, again, is called Force of Nature, The Unlikely Story of Walmart's Green Revolution. Uh, Mr. Humes, I want to thank you very much for joining us again on uh, the Grok Science Show. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's, uh, it's a great show. All right. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, it looks like we won't have time for our game today, but again, we, we, we do want to thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, darn. I was looking forward to it, but <laughs> right. thank you. Uh, anytime. All right. Well, uh, take care and hope to have you back on the program at some point. <laughs> you bet. All right. Take care. Bye. And you're just listening to Mr. Ed Humes talking about his new book, Force of Nature. So this has been the Grok Science Show. I've been your host, Charles Lee. We'll be back in some more from the world of science and technology. You can see us on the web, www.groks.net, science at groks.net, the email. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Have a great afternoon.